Welcome back to a brand new episode of Two Please. I'm your host Abin, and I'm your co-host Rohit. And today we're discussing pop culture, or as it's commonly known as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because <laughs> that's exactly what one can describe it to be. So, what we're doing on today's episode is we're taking a not so detailed look on the uh, the origins of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. the kind of films that came that have come through um the franchise over the last 15 years and where we think it's heading and why that may be a problem for marvel in the long run you have anything mm. to say yeah again i uh, self admittedly not a very active follower of the mcu like uh, i don't watch them in theaters the only end game i watched mm-hmm. uh and no way home which is not technically an mcu movie but i mean we don't have to like worry about the technicalities so let's for all intents and purposes let's assume it's an mcu property yeah so then other than that i haven't seen any of them in the theater so i watched them much later after i've probably heard spoilers and like yeah okay whatever <laughs> but it's been interesting whatever however much i've been able to follow off late whatever stuffs coming on ott i've been mm-hmm. it's been interesting so like mornings if i'm working out or something before after i watch a little okay so with the i mean the the problem with the mcu and i think we're going to get into it is kind of just how much of it is coming out and like you mentioned it going on to ott and on several other platforms that's a point i want to highlight as we make our way down through this um through these list of films i'll rather, rather just take a brief look at um how and like what the the 10 bold films for the franchise were and before we get into it let's start the show this is the mcu episode the one nobody asked for but the one you probably thought we were going to do at some point in time and it was inevitable it was inevitable inevitable like thanos says uh multiple times rather just the one single time i don't know I haven't seen infinity war or endgame in, in quite some time but let's go back to the beginning and when i say the beginning let's go back to the early 2000s where um Avi Arad was in charge of all the the Marvel properties and Spider-Man was king of the box office. And we we've, we've uh, spoken about this on about on, the Spider-Man about the, yeah about the Spider-Man films on this uh, on the Spider-Verse episode and where and I think around that time there was the the pieces to put a Marvel Cinematic Universe were present because Sony had the license to most of them X-Men who was at Fox uh was doing very well um, themselves there there as well but it never quite gelled and i don't think anybody envisioned this or rather thought this project would ever be possible because it was just too big and too grand to set up over let's say 3 3 to 4 films which at the time was was the norm 
So the um, due to producer choices and creative choices and sometimes even director choices, all of those franchises ultimately found themselves wallowing within their third installment uh, and ultimately just shut shop and moved on to, to another superhero entity. So in 2008, um, Marvel kind of brought its first entry into the franchise and some may argue it's still possibly one of the better films to have come out of the MCU, which was Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. So Robert Downey Jr. up to this point kind of been all over the place. A few good films here and there, mostly in the news for bad reasons. Yeah. And then they cast him as Tony Stark, which to a lot of people were uh, was just like, okay, I guess we'll see where this goes. And Iron Man up to that point, not really a, a franchise seller. It's not somebody who you would have bet a multi-billion dollar franchise on. Yeah. Um, so, and it was... Actually, none of those guys, maybe with the exception of Captain America, yeah. none of the other guys were like big comic sellers. Yeah, the thing is, you had the Fantastic Four before them. You had, obviously, Spider-Man, who, who is the face of the, of the Marvel comics. Uh, yeah. You had the X-Men. And uh, Iron Man, for the most part, has been sort of this, uh, a slightly lower tier of superhero char- um, character. He's, he's important, but not really uh, the leader of most things, at least not to my knowledge, if you think I am wrong. I mean, all of them, right? Doctor Strange, Iron Man, mm-hmm. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is like a CD tier comic character, and they've made such a big thing out of it. Mm-hmm. So when Iron Man drops, it takes the world, world by storm a little bit. Because mm-hmm. one, it is a really great film. And two, the performances in it are, are great. It's like you you sit down to watch a movie and then you come out thinking, okay, I believe that person is Iron Man. Has one of the greatest endings to a uh, to a film in the last fifteen to twenty years. See, you like you're thinking about it and you and you and you start laughing. Has a great opening sequence. Has a great closing sequence. The middling sequence with him trying to figure out how to like make the suit is a bit here and there. Um, personally, it's a very paint-by-numbers kind of story, but still, s- such a fun time. And I don't think superhero movies at the time were they were either gravitating towards the the Nolan's darker, grittier take. So it was kind of refreshing to see a film that wasn't caricaturishly comic. But had some sort of... It wasn't grim either. It wasn't grim either, exactly. And so Iron Man launches and then I think the Incredible Hulk follows closely on its heels. And I I kind of enjoy that film for whatever it is. They swapped out uh, Eric Bana for Edward Norton, who is a pretty cool Bruce Banner. And it's a very chaotic Hulk film. Which, which I, uh, at the time, I thought, oh, okay, fun. It's been a while since we've seen a Hulk movie where he isn't pensive and um, philosophical. When has Hulk time. been pensive, dude? Uh, wasn't the Eric Bana Hulk like more of a, uh, a thinking man's Hulk where, like, it, I think that's that's directed by Angli, right? And that people... Yeah, Angli. And people, it's one big problem with that with Hulk movie that it was very serious. Uh, and it was... And that was the problem. 
Fair enough. It was. As opposed to Edward Norton's Hulk, where it was Hulk smash, Hulk go break things. I've seen the Angli one. I haven't seen the 2008 sort of MCU Hulk. Yes, I mean you're not really missing out on much because it's again a pretty straightforward film. Tim Roth is pretty cool in the movie, but besides as as the abomination, um, I mean the the one the few people that they pull out of that movie is I mean until more the abomination makes an appearance I think in Shang-Chi, but besides that, uh, William Hurt as the Colonel ends up being a recurring character through most of Marvel uh, of the Marvel properties. Robert Downey Jr. cameos in this and. I think what I forgot to mention in the first Iron Man movie is that towards the end of the first Iron Man movie, Nick Fury or Sam Jackson as Nick Fury pops up in the uh, uh, in the after credit sequence and speaks about the Avengers Initiative. So we all I remember watching this in a movie theater going, oh, so they're going to do this, and but I feel it's going to be a colossal mess, and. It's little by little they start to fill out the squad, right? Um, Black Widow makes an appearance in um, in Iron Man Two. Iron Man Two, yes. Uh, which again, not a great film. Um, yeah, and it has that ridiculous Mickey Rourke sequence, yeah. dancing with the like, like whips. whips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it has a funny Sam Rockwell appearance, but besides that, nothing much else to write home about. Uh, this is the movie they replaced Terrence Howard with Don Cheadle. as a rody yeah and um, he kind of like becomes a mainstay in the franchise soon after then you have captain america uh, the first avenger which is you know, a fun movie i mean there's nothing it's like a a, a nice little adventure around yeah i i i still feel it's the nicest of the three nicest i'm not saying the best mm-hmm. but it's the very idealistic exactly like, throwback sort of film but yeah then then it moves on to the thor films which the, the first one which is like the shakespearean tale of two brothers who are warring um and is a very serious uh, like portrayal of a of a person of a character who's got a, a horrible god complex that is now being forced to uh, be in touch with his Dude, own humanity directed by fucking kenneth branagh when i read yeah, it like what <laughs> the f- what is happening <laughs> Like reality was uh, distorting in front of my eyes. Yeah. Then I, mean, I saw like they actually got decent directors to yeah. make the films. If you think of it, I mean the opening, the first few films that you have George, yeah, John Favreau, George Johnston for uh, the first Avenger, and George Johnston is uh, infamously, a, 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 I mean not a very famously a fantastic director. There is a great Disney film called Rocket Man. Oh, the, sorry, sorry, Rocketeer. which is on um, which is on Disney Plus a hot star and it's like one of those gems from the 90s that time you tends to forget very very nice film i highly recommend you check it out um, it's a joe johnson directed film joe johnson also did the third jurassic park entry if you've liked if you uh, like the mm. jurassic park without the talking dinosaur uh, i think uh, there's there's some fun to be had in there uh and then you are then you have um Kenneth Branagh for Thor and i think around so I, i think thor drops in in about 2011 which kind of sets yeah. sets the boat for the avengers film that comes out in 2012 um so not only have you got like a bunch of very likable actors who are portraying these characters because 
Chris Evans was a great um Captain America and I remember when they first cast him my whole thing was like okay I'm always going to look at him as the human torch because he was Johnny Storm yeah. first but now I a good totally, Johnny Storm yeah a good Johnny Storm and now I don't even think about him as Johnny Storm uh, and then you have um as we've mentioned Robert Downey Jr then Chris Hemsworth who was a relative unknown at the time uh Tom Hiddleston again another relative unknown at the time both have gone I think Tom's had more of a varied career uh Chris is definitely the the new I think the the heir apparent to the Will Smith throne and I'm not saying this because mm-hmm. he did men, men in black but like he's got that movie star quality about him and dude he looks he's gone back to looking like a house in in love and thunder also like yeah oh man love and thunder Yeah, <laughs> Love and Thunder, he just, I don't know how he's bulked up, maybe, because of that. You, you, there are plenty of videos for you to go check out why the Marvel uh, actors look as, as jacked as they do uh, on YouTube. Some of it is diet, most of it is something else. Uh, but Chris Hemsworth is just, I, I, <laughs> he's built like a truck and he's playing Hulk Hogan in the Hulk Hogan biopic, so... Yeah. Um, and so I mean I make sense as to why he looks the way he does. Uh and it's scary. Yeah, I know, right? Um but anyway, back to uh, the Avengers for the first ever Avengers film. I remember when this movie was announced being very worried for what it was going to look like. Uh and really then, yeah, because I I I was at this like at this point I was fully into the marvel cinematic universe it wasn't called mm-hmm. the mcu back then but it was very much a, okay i'm this is i'm invested in these characters i i care about them and i'd like to see and they kind of set up loki as the big bad because he was just running around doing um yeah nefarious things and they were in, uh, hinting towards the infinity stones which kind of then one of them forms the, the crux of the plot for the avengers I watched this movie opening night in a packed theater in Bangalore and there have been very few movie watching experiences especially in the early 2010s that I remember distinctly um because of the audience that was at play this was one and Pacific Rim was the other and I think they both came a year apart from each other yeah. I still hold Pacific Rim to be a better theatrical viewing experience because there were 25 people in the audience and it felt like the theater was packed it during uh, the movie like <laughs> when the uh, yeager takes that container ship it's yeah, and exactly. the guy jump like bro this is why cinema was made <laughs> this is why film the cameras were invented to make more. i mean it's all cgi but still yeah i know i remember like this that, that entire uh, gypsy danger versus the two kaiju sequence is just oh, it's it's pure like visual um it's like a, it's like a visual orgy of of epic proportions yeah. um, but anyway with the avengers i have never seen an audience lose their collective minds at least up to that point the way i did mm-hmm. during the first avengers screening um directed by joss whedon and um starring every avenger that's been introduced up to that point uh this was the convenient swap of norton to uh, markraf yeah markraf oh yes of course um, norton i think there was an issue with his contract so they got ruffalo in who 
Okay, I mean, it was a great Bruce Banner. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I didn't have no problems with him. And you were always worried that this movie could be a mess. And it was anything but. I think the first Avengers film is still up there in the top 3 in my top 3 uh, MCU uh, MCU entries because it is the first movie to have ever done something like that and done it co- coherently and tells a great memorable story. it's obviously a, a, a paint by numbers good versus evil film but the sheer spectacle of it the the laughs the, it had the right amount of heart it had the right amount of uh, fun it had the right amount of cg it was it was and the and, and the entire cast had such great chemistry which kind of carries the the film or rather elevates mm. it to to a stature than than what it would have otherwise been at um has some of the most iconic lines in like which will now be added into modern film history um the one being top of the list is that's my secret i'm always angry puny god a lot of the best lines in the film are reserved and hulk so yeah uh, hulk chris evans is captain america gets uh, gets a hulk smash line in that sends the audience into into raptures like the first i i hadn't seen the super i hadn't watched a super bowl game for the first time, like till up to that point but this very much felt like being part of a sporting event mm-hmm. yeah it had a i mean i think like you said the appreciation has to be given for the fact that this was the first time something like this was pulled off and to think that in this movie there's only one stone that is shown and like this is mm-hmm. itself part of a larger it's like a third level uh, of storytelling and you're just mm-hmm. like wow okay even in terms of planning perspective you have to uh, tip your hat to how far ahead they thought yeah and uh, when they introduced thanos in the post credits i don't think uh, uh, the majority of the of the audience knew who thanos was so they had to build up that character but the great thing is that the audience didn't really like care about him being some sort of unknown um and they they put their faith in in the property and just went along with the ride and i think it's paid off at least till up till end game it pays off now this is where after the avengers films this, this is where the independent films start getting good now i have is mm-hmm. is soft spot for iron man 3 it's it's a christmas movie it's a shane black movie uh i'm a big fan of shane black's films if you have not seen the nice guys or kiss kiss bang bang I highly recommend it. Um I know a lot of people yeah. didn't like Iron Man 3 because it's it, it, it's kind of a bit all over the place but it it for me because of my love for, for Shane Black I kind of saw what he was trying to do and halfway through they were you could you could tell that <laughs> Marvel was like hey Shane like you got to you got to cut it back dude you can't you can't go for the full Shane Black um but it's uh, i kind of have a, a soft spot for it but i still maintain that the winter soldier which came out in 2014 is still my favorite uh mcu entry yeah that is a it, it that is takes, very great yeah. movie it, it takes <laughs> a bone supremacy bro bone identity like situation and throws in a cap uh, a captain america in there and that's what you get you get a, an espionage thriller 
um of, of with two avengers trying to figure out uh, what's happened and that the organization that they represent has been infiltrated from within what of uh, a brilliant entry into the franchise and a great starting point for the russo brothers who directed it yeah also this went slightly in the grittier space i felt mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like the nolan feel uh, films feel like they're bearing down on you this was like okay it's still a marvel film but it was slightly more serious it wasn't like as much high jinks as yeah the movies before it but oh yeah and oh yeah we completely forgot to talk about thor the dark world but nothing really of importance in that movie i feel you could skip it or you can just watch a, a brief recap of what happens in it probably one of the more oh i remember that film exists kind of movies in the mcu directed by alan taylor and the last appearance of jane foster as um uh, sorry last appearance of, of natalie portman as jane, jane foster for a significant amount of time i think she was yeah. natalie portman was done with the mcu soon after i remember walking out of thor being very bored by what i just seen i don't think it was a bad movie i just thought it was very uninspiring which I is i didn't watch more, it yeah <laughs> there we i go. didn't watch iron, iron man 3 either iron man 3 has like there's something charming about it it's kind of a fun little romp but thor the dark world is just very very boring it's just as studio template as you could possibly get um but then that's what makes the newer entries so so much more unique because we mentioned um like we we spoke about uh, the winter soldier we spoke about we are talking guardians of the galaxy comes soon after this and i know a lot of people who don't like guardians of the galaxy um some of them some of them feel it's an allegory on the iraq war uh some of them What? just don't yeah like go to a theater <laughs> like you are enjoying mc movie just chill forget your head enjoy and come like why do you have to find allegories oh my god is there a quad some people just don't get the humor they feel it's too forced uh and i get it i mean it's uh, i personally really enjoy that film i love the music in it and uh, not so much the villains which we'll get to uh in, in talking about uh, especially given how weak they've been across the MCU and a great uh, like for like you mentioned earlier on right this is this is a a property where the heroes aren't exactly well known but yeah. elevates them to to an a list category just by making a, a good film and we have james gunn to thank for that mm and we haven't even like touched upon the great overall the overlord of all of this and we will when we get to and uh, the get to end game which i think is a pivotal moment in this um in this discussion so this kind of builds us up to the second avengers entry which is age of ultron and i remember this movie being very hyped we remember trying to get tickets for this on opening night and what a pain it was and i think everybody who walked out of the movie feeling underwhelmed now i don't think it's a bad movie i just think it suffers from being a sequel to a great movie or other to a really fun film which is which was the first avengers you have a a, a fun villain in james spader james yeah in james spader's um ultron quite a, quite a few set pieces then then there's this weird floating city that they go towards to uh, at the end 
you they introduced you to this god it, it was like that city was there to uh, encourage flat earthers like see <laughs> the earth is indeed flat this how can there be like a perfectly horizontal city floating in air dude that's not how the earth works yeah <laughs> but it's a superhero movie with with the floating earth <laughs> floating city of sokovia uh you have wanda maximoff who is just introduced as n- not as wanda maximoff i think she and quicksilver are just given weird subject names because at the time disney didn't have the rights to those characters oh yeah by the way somewhere along the line disney acquires marvel and um then oh, you yeah. Can, yeah you can start to see budgets getting a little better like cgi improving a little bit um and but by age of ultron age of ultron makes close to a billion dollars is a very successful um, marvel film even though not as beloved as its pre- its predecessor and now we jump into ant-man um starring paul rudd and uh, and michael douglas now this was a film i took my father to go watch and i had to, and my sister had taken my father to go watch the avengers films which he had enjoyed he said oh this is a great time but antman mm. was a movie he truly got on board with because he had a good time with it and that's the thing about antman antman is, is is a heist film and when it was pitched when i first heard it as that it was going to be a heist movie i was intrigued because and i wanted to see what they do with a character like this and it's it's a fun film like i have it's probably one of my it's directed by peyton reed and a little known fact edgar wright was supposed to direct the movie but then yeah i was just going to say that yeah due to creative differences had to drop off he's still credited um as one of the writers for the movie um peyton reed is brought in and still delivers a, a, a fun film michael pena i think is is the star of um uh, of the film especially his narration with, exactly his, his narration of events um serve as a particularly interesting highlight Paul Rudd f- fantastic as ever. It's a it's a fun film I can plug in and have a good time with and then plug back out and and like continue to live my life. I don't need to be invested in it. I don't need to know the lore behind all of it. Yeah. I I think I've seen it only once. Mhm. Around the time of release and never again. I barely remember it, but I was like okay, this was fun. So after Ant-Man we get the, the third in Captain America film or rather it's meant to be a Captain America a movie the pseudo avengers film yeah basically so i remember when they announced it and i think it was snake society or some some serpent society or something they had called it and then kevin feige who is the great overlord and the reason as to why this uh franchise exists looks at the um, the title and says that's not right and then flips it into civil war and brings out robert downey junior and uh, chris evans and the announced civil war is being made and people are losing their minds collectively it's also around this time that um dc announces batman v superman people are losing their minds over that but we all know how that went and they both release in the summer of 2016 babyvs drops in um march and i think the weekend bvs drops Marvel releases the embargo on uh, on their captain uh, on the civil war reviews and civil war debuts at a whopping 98% on rotten tomatoes and 
like it just further drives the nail into the BVS coffin. And so people are naturally disappointed with the Batman v Superman film, but are excited to see what happens with the Captain America Civil War film. Because not only is it pitting the Avengers against each other, it's introducing Black Panther for the first time. And, and Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Man is finally making his big screen uh, entry under the Marvel Cinematic Universe banner. Uh, they cast Tom Holland to play the high school variant of Peter Parker, the one that we all know, not the one where you look at Tobey Maguire and think, oh, and, and you're supposed to believe that this man goes to high school. What steroids are in your water? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, Civil War drops uh, one of my favorite top five MCU films. Again, I think the Russo brothers know how to do uh, tentpole films. I feel like they're able to handle it. Ensemble films, multiple characters. Characters, yeah. So they they kind of know how to distribute uh, distribute, uh, screen time around for these characters, allow them to develop. Mm -hmm. And overall, a really, really fun film has the I Can Do This All Day callback. It also has uh, a great fight sequence between uh, an airport fight sequence between the Avengers, which... Um, uh, there's a, a lovely callback to and to Empire Strikes Back in, in the film. There's a very interesting emotional connect that runs through the entire story, which I really appreciate about Civil War. And I and I I can go back and watch that movie and and still have a good time, like be thoroughly invested in what the film is doing. Um, and still remains one of the better. Uh, MCU films to have come out over the last 15 years. For me, this is still remains like the golden age of the of the MCU because you have a bunch of movies that are doing really well that are not only commercial successes but critical darlings as well because the story, it's not I mean, a spectacle. Uh, I wouldn't call them darlings. Like, mm-hmm. They're not winning the Khan or of course, I wouldn't, Oscars. Yeah, but, yeah. but they're not but, like they're being acknowledged as good films. Exactly. And I they're not just superhero movies, is how I'd like to say it. Yes, of course, they're superhero movies, but there's an interesting story to tell. Um, yeah. They have their own flavor and they have their own personality. Now, after this, um, they, they go on a bit of a, a break for a few months and Doctor Strange drops out in November of 2016. Now, this is directed by Scott Derrickson, who is one of my favorite horror directors. I watched The Black Phone last night. Um, How is it? I've been waiting. It's it it released little, today, I think. No? Yeah, it's it's a little. I felt it was a little underwhelming because I expected more. Because from what I've seen of Sinister and what I know of his his body of work, um, and also because this is Sinister written, is just oh my god. Yeah, Sinister is like uh, I think same writers as well, Robert Cargill and. Um, and Scott Derrickson and who, who returned for this. And this is an, an adaptation of a, a Joe Hill short story. Joe, Joe Hill. Yeah. yeah, Joe Hill, the son of Stephen King. So, and so again, it's a very straightforward movie. Nothing, like I, I was, it, it's very atmospheric. It's it, There are points in the film that are pure tension and dread. Um, but... Yeah, it could have been. It could have been more. I know it's getting good reviews, and maybe you like it too. I encourage whoever's listening to this and who shares an interest in watching good horror, go check it out and inform your own opinion. I don't think it's this is path breaking horror, but I think it's very atmospheric horror, and that's the best thing I can say about it. 
But yeah, coming back to Scott Derrickson and Doctor Strange, I quite liked this. I I watched this in the movie theater. I watched it weeks after it released, and I had a, a really fun a fun time. It's this LSD trip. It, it's probably the first time the MCU goes cosmic, uh, and I, I have. I think I watched this also in theater. Okay, six. The count is increasing. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I feel like yeah. As we, this is. I the, remember the, the scene where uh, the ancient one like mm. flicks him out of his body, and he goes through like a proper trip. It's like what is happening? <laughs> exactly right. So, um, everyone on the, I think a healthy amount of acid was ingested in in, in coming <laughs> up with with the plot line for that film. Uh, again, have fun. Doctor Strange is a great entry. Ben Cumberbatch is. I don't. I don't like his American accent as much. I think it's gotten better. Uh, in in the first Doctor Strange, he was kind of all over the place, and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two drops. I think it's an okay film. It's a great father son. Yeah. Um, it's uh, the first stumble in a long mm. time for the MCU. Yeah, and it's it's not a bad movie. I think it could be could have been better. It has Kurt Russell. It has. Um, a, a, a great soundtrack if anything i can i can give props to that movie is that the soundtrack is great and michael rooker as rooker's yondu gets a lot more to do mm. uh, has a great line in the film that says he he may have been your father but he father son but he but he wasn't your daddy uh and so that whole movie is about like a father son dynamic and and discovering that then, but not something we can all relate to. Like, how many of us have a planet for a father? <laughs> I mean, that's also true. <laughs> uh, and you have Spider-Man: Homecoming that comes in after this. And Homecoming, I think, is a movie I have grown to not like as much. When I first watched it, I thought, okay, Spider-Man meets uh, meets John Hughes. You have a high school's um, mm. movie. It felt like a, a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and that was the nicest part of it. Little did I know this would just be part one of a three-part origin story, which kind of completes the Spider-Man arc for for Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Yeah, like the first one was in and around his high school. Yeah. By the third one, he's in multi dimensions. Like he's <laughs> fighting people from multiple dimensions. Like wow, that escalated quickly. <laughs> I know. Um, and then comes. Uh, so but a uh, quick note here: Michael mm-hmm. Keaton as uh, the Vulture was mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, I think yeah. And there's that it, car scene when they're both yeah. they're both sitting in the car, and then he realizes, intense. and then he realizes who Peter Parker, who, who Spider-Man is. Yeah. And then um, I, I think it's around this time Taika Waititi's name is being banded about everywhere because he has in the build-up to 2017 he has two. Great two like sleeper hits. One is of course what we do in the shadows. Which okay. <laughs> guys, if you have not watched what we do in the shadows, please, please. Just thinking of the movie makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> werewolves, not swells. Swells. <laughs> I just want to keep quoting the movie, like even the part where uh, I forgot the other guy, the other guy's character is like, let me do my dark bidding on the internet. What are you bidding on? I'm buying this table on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
they take uh, like they take such uh, they take a, an aspect of the dracula lore and use it in such a creative way like mm-hmm. the fact that vampires can't see themselves in the mirror so they can't dress themselves <laughs> they have to describe oh you're looking this way that way to each other i'm like wow what a brilliant way to use that uh, bit of vampire lore and then you have hunt for the wilder people that comes in in, in 2016 Uh, which is oh my goodness so the my favorite taika waititi film i i, I really enjoyed watching uh, um shark versus sam, eagle what what's his name sam samney samney yeah samney mm. was damn nice in the movie mm. and also the kid who then later went on to star in deadpool, deadpool. 2 if i remember yeah oh yeah in the middle of all of this um fox green lights uh, a r rated deadpool which comes in and proves that an r rated superhero can work ryan can finally take off the mask and be his real self which is deadpool deadpool yeah oh man i i enjoy i had a lot of fun with deadpool the first the second one not so much but the first i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed yeah Now in comes um, Taika Waititi with Thor Ragnarok, and we'd seen the trailers for this, and I, I went to watch this movie because it's a Taika Waititi movie, uh, and it is also the reason why I will go watch Thor: Love and Thunder, even though I feel a little underwhelmed by it. Um, Same, and I went because okay, Taika Waititi. Let's let's find out what he's done. To, and even like when you see the trailer, you can see a massive shift in tone. Yeah, because I mean, the first thought was serious, but like mm-hmm. okay, second thought was depressing, mm-hmm. and suddenly you're like, whoa, okay, this is light, this is breezy, it seems funny. It has, and it's like a variety. Like a variety. Like uh, the humor doesn't work for some. I know people who have gripes with the movie about how it kind of takes the MCU into a direction where people just keep quipping for the sake of quip- quipping, and I get it, but. I I love this film. I I thoroughly I mean I mean Taika Waititi is not to be blamed. He's hardly the first director in the MCU to have that characters quip at each other. I mean Joss Whedon was famous for that. Yeah, I mean I completely like yeah, even the first two Avengers I think even Ultron more than anything else is very guilty of quipping in random situations. But Thor Ragnarok is like this yeah, is a is a road trip film <laughs> with with Thor and Hulk. jumping in between from planet to planet and with with Tessa Thompson and Jeff Goldblum along for along for the ride Jeff Goldblum in this film is just oh dude it, revelation it's it's like Taika said I'm not even going to give you a script this is what your character's uh, motivations are you go do your thing and we'll just stick a camera on you yeah exactly we'll just keep the camera on you just be yourself Tom Hiddleston also gets a lot of uh, comedic lines in this film. Some great callbacks. Um, I, I remember when they go to meet Doctor Strange. <laughs> I have been falling for thirty minutes. So I just remember holding my sides and laughing in the movie theater. <laughs> and it's just there's so much joy and fun to to be had about this, and not to mention that. Chris Hemsworth looks like an absolute fucking Greek god in this. Uh, oh my god! It's 
Like I had a man, I had a man going to watching him walk out with that, with the with the gladiator armor and with with the war paint and his short hair. Um, I, so, I, I like even yeah, short hair. I'm like wow. When you look good, any hair, any hair looks good on you. No, I think I, I much prefer prefer short hair thought to anything else. But a good looking dude, and also they explore his comedic chops, uh, and you realize yeah. just how funny Chris Hemsworth can be. And he has great kind of, timing. Yeah, and it takes his career in a different direction. I don't think without Ragnarok uh, coming through, um, he does not get the other roles that he's... And he would have been typecast as a more straightforward action hero. But Ragnarok like allows him to showcase his, his comedic chops. And it really helps elevate his career. Is there anything else you want to talk about this one? Ragnarok, I mean, again, great music and... Obviously, I think each one of his Thor films is going to have one song which is going to be synonymous with the mm-hmm. movie. In the case of Ragnarok, it was Immigrant Song. Mm-hmm. And in the case of uh, Love and Thunder, it seems to be uh, Sweet Child of Mine. Sweet Child of Mine, yeah. So, Immigrant Song is... Uh, the, the opening That scene on the, whatever, the Bifrost Bridge. Oh, mm-hmm. man. What a spectacle. <laughs> I know, right? He jumps I'm... up and Immigrant Song kicks in and just mm-hmm. amped. You just want to get up and like start fighting people. Yeah, yeah. and they, this was one of the first few times Marvel hit something in their trailers where when Thor is gets his lightning back because he's God of Thunder, right? Mm. Like you be a God of Thunder. And then you in the trailers, you see both his eyes, but uh, but Hela played one oh, yeah. by Kate Blanchett takes one of them clean off. And... Uh, Dude, I mean, hem, one-eyed Hemsworth with with short hair and muscles. Oh my God! It's like take me already. Uh, but <laughs> you, okay, I'm gonna stop waxing uh, lyrical about Chris Hemsworth's appearance and talk about the film. Um, so much fun. Taika Waititi is cog. <laughs> was, he was, was, <laughs> he, he you want to start a revolution? revolution. <laughs> <laughs> That guy. It's, it's uh, him. You have Matt Damon's appearance as uh, as uh, as playing Loki as a character. You have Anthony Hopkins who has a great little cameo in there. And yeah, I mean, Ragnarok was is, is a fun, fun ride. Which then it seems like this point the MCU can do no wrong. And Black Panther drops in theaters on um, I think. February it drops it just I remember it being a Feb release I, probably the highest rated MCU film to date well I felt the movie was okay it was it was a nice story and I think it gave us a very nice peek into what African lore would be or African history would be if it wasn't colonized like Wakanda is a great what if what if yeah and for me more than anything else my only issue with I, I don't have an issue with Black Panther as much as it it contains several Bollywood tropes that we as an audience have gotten very accustomed to growing up mm. like obviously the grandeur I'm like okay yeah, this is grand there's a lot of Afrofuturism elements in here but in terms of like I, I've been saying this for years there are it reminded me of Koila and that's 
like if you've seen koila and if you watch black panther you'll know the exact sequence i'm talking about where um where tachala gets knocked off a waterfall fighting a bunch of people and if you remember koila <laughs> he gets knocked off a waterfall gets discovered by uh, by people in the in the in the jungle who then heal him and nurse him back to health so that kid it first guys yeah exactly so and i i love if there's anything i love about this film it's um, michael b jordan's killmonger mm see we are case of mosquito bites yeah <laughs> but uh, great performance it i uh, man it's and you understand his motivations his motivations are um, I, i mean of completely like where he comes from it's very believable um space it's obviously in true i think the motivation is uh, right but the way he expresses it which is just pure anger towards everything yeah is what the movie tries to tell you all throughout mm. is wrong yeah and you it has this very it has a, a fight sequence on on a train track or on a train at some point that is really bad yeah the cg is is quite atrocious there and for me i just kept thinking to myself you know what i saw this in batman begins and i felt that was better than whatever this is yeah and that was like a year more than a, sorry more than a decade ago yeah i i thought i enjoyed when it came out i feel it is is very bollywood rather contains several bollywood tropes to like within it but still as a fun time uh, no less our, the, our first and very important for representation that's a movie i would that that's something i would argue is that this is the first time a, a black superhero has led as big a, um a franchise that is not blade because blade in the 90s nobody really cared now there was there was hype uh, and like it, it lived up it's, it's, a, it's a good movie one can argue that the first the first blade is a bit all over the place blade 2 i think is great i know it gives you nightmares Yeah. Um, but I never want to watch that movie again but I know it's really good. <laughs> no. And then this leads us to Infinity War. Which Infinity me, War, yes. is the last great MCU film and I feel this is kind of where not I wouldn't say here but I feel they set the stakes for an Infinity War and they make the antagonist the protagonist of the story. This is very much Thanos's film as more than anything more than it is an Avengers film. Of course the Avengers true, are around true. but this is Thanos going around doing his thing and the 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 decision to gut punch your audience and leave them sitting with it for a full year is one that bold fully decision. yeah I fully fully applaud. Um it it might be the empire strikes back moment for the generation that grew up in the 2010s like for us uh, like empire strikes back ends with on the cliffhanger with luke realizing he's his dad weird as mm. his father and he is fallen through the shoot uh, rather he ends up falling um, out, out of the ship but this film has stakes it's uh, it really puts every character in a in a particularly difficult position and there is one very traumatic experience or other two very traumatic experiences in the film especially for one character where she has to end up killing the love of her life only for uh, Thanos oh, to, to, to reverse time and do it again 
Um, it's a pretty so, hardcore moment for a PG-13 movie. <laughs> exactly, right? Josh Brolin is, is killing it in this film. Again, a very iconic uh, moment with you should have gone for the head. Uh, and uh, of course, the, I, I don't... There are so many memorable lines in this film. I don't miss the Stark. I don't feel so good. Um, yeah. Audience is crying. Everyone just... Um, you know, being in shock... For me, what is the dude like? What a silence that that movie, and mm-hmm. they purposely made the ending silent, like just yeah. last one minute or or so of was its people disappearing, right? And just yeah. like, oof, what an impact that leaves. But the problem with this, and I and I maintain is that to have that impact, I know you did it because you wanted um, like that shock value, but when you see Black Panther disappearing. Uh, and you know he's been greenlit for a sequel. You know Spider-Man yeah. has been greenlit <laughs> like for the a real, sequel. Like the real world. Uh, yeah. So I'm what do you sitting, say? Yeah. yeah, I'm sitting there going, okay, oh, oh, wow. Oh, man. Oh, oh, this is... This is and then you conveniently realize, oh, all the original Avengers have remained. You're like, mm, yeah. okay, cool. So, <laughs> I see so where this is going. So they're getting their send-off. And I knew nothing. I don't think any information had leaked out about Endgame at the point. Nobody knew it was even called Endgame. And but in typical fashion of the internet, yeah, the sheer number of theories that mm. people can generate, uh, yeah. eventually, you uh, or inevitably, uh, one of them was right about the name, one of them was right about the plot. Mm. So, and then after this drops, I think about three months later, the most inconsequential, not inconsequential, actually, a very consequential film, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, drops on. And it could have all. It could have been a fifteen-minute shot that could have set up the entire uh, Endgame story, but instead it was a full two-hour film, which, was, to be kind of honest, was very boring, barring the two pivotal moments in uh, in the film, and nothing really went right about. Yeah, don't. I mean, no point. Uh, and well, yeah, we can we can just skip past that and head straight towards Endgame. Now, Endgame drops April twenty eighth, twenty nineteen. I remember it because was, I watched it. This was one of the first big films I'd seen when when after I moved to the US. And I watched it opening night in a packed movie theater. Like, and and I knew nothing about this movie. I I stayed away from it. I I just seen the trailers. I like I had no idea what was what was to come. And Halfway through the film, I realized, okay, this is not a movie. This is this is a a vehicle for fan service, and yeah. let it let it be what it's supposed to be, because you've set up the, the setup has already happened in in part one. And part one is the movie. This is the climax of part one, and oh man, the the number of the number of people have, I've seen people grown men weeping uh, in this film out of sure, sure happiness and joy um, my god that I mean I think we can spoil it in game right of course yeah come on if you haven't uh, seriously like the part where uh, what on your left to your left on your left on your left hmm. when he says that in the next one minute it's like you couldn't hear what was happening in the movie the next one mm-hmm. minute was just non-stop cheering yeah and not just that uh, there's 
what what i particularly enjoyed about end game is when i realized that oh they they're turning this in, into a time heist film and i went oh okay and then it becomes yeah. like the greatest hits of tmcu and it's, you get to I like uh, i mean it's it's there's some reliving there's also a fair bit of like with the uh, stark meeting his dad that's that's a a new setting that's a new yeah. interaction you've not seen mm-hmm. that before it's like oh wow yeah it's i quite enjoyed that i remember because they they set that up in in civil war where he has a fractured relationship with his father uh, and yeah. you know there's some regret there and when and that comes a full circle with with this one and more than i think more than i think the thing that gave me that i got the big thrill was when they all disappear into the portal and then it cuts to new york 2012 and 2011 and then i said like, oh damn okay now now i'm excited and loki is disappearing with the tesseract uh, thor meeting his mother which gives thor the dark world a big big um emotional beat because mm. the thing is in in thor the dark world he doesn't get to say bye to his mom yeah and um the, and when he gets to see her and he's and, and she realizes that he's not from like she can see through time or and somehow she can see through yeah yeah and she tells him go it's like and and she's like no you've come here for one reason just go for what you have to do a very mm. emotional beat you have a fat thor how could we not even talk about fat <laughs> thor <laughs> because in in this movie especially the way it begins right it's the, thanos is dead in the first 10 minutes Yeah. So yeah, so and then this is how you subvert expectations in the end. Yeah. I I quite liked the 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 exploration of everyone's trauma because people have disappeared it's been 5 years there are support Yeah, groups. there's a almost like alcoholics anonymous sort of yeah, meet. Exactly. And I where the Russo who which of the Russo brothers I think is? I think it's Joe. Joe is yeah. in, in the support group. so the, the movie has heart and then it also has that that spectacle punch where mjolnir rises up and flies into the hand of captain america oh my god the last oh. half an hour just generally dude just like <laughs> yeah. every one to a couple of minutes there's some huge cheer wow i remember i'd gone alone for the movie. this was the first time i was like okay if hmm. there's nobody there let's just go who hmm. doesn't matter because you're conditioned to think of going to the movies as a social event but it's not it it's really is like yeah. I, and i'm saying this as a man who is going to watch elvis at 5 o'clock today afternoon uh, in the evening so and i'm going alone um go watch movies by yourself it is it's it's such a nice cathartic experience i would highly recommend you doing so i watched uncut gems by myself and that was the only uncomfortable experience i've had because I think Uncut Gems would have been comfortable even if you were watching it in a stadium with like ten thousand other people. <laughs> no, but even that's not a function of you going alone. <laughs> no, but with Uncut Gems, what it did was it, you could feel a sense of uneasiness throughout the the throughout the audience. Oh my God, horrible! That that movie was made in the editing room. Uh, it was like a panic attack. The entire thing. I love the we we'll get to the Safdies one day speaking of brothers yeah. the Safdies are a very very good um and but back by one back from from the Safdies to to the Russo brothers I felt and by the way we haven't even spoken about Captain Marvel yet 
which I was very ex- excited for when it was announced and when I saw what was being said in the 90s. And what we got, and this is a problem I'm going to highlight as we get into the um, into the films, was such a bland paint-by-numbers story. So I don't even remember it. Like it some Nick Fury was there. Mm. And some Kree, something that's around. Yeah, and it's just so uninspiring. And I don't know if it was because of the directors or because the screenplay was such or like no one was going to care about this because Endgame is coming in two weeks and rather than two months. And we just need to set up the Captain Marvel character who is the last person Nick Fury pings as he's uh, disappearing into the void. Uh, and you... I, see, the thing is, I feel there's a good cap. I, I, I feel when when the sequel does drop, there is the scope to do something really interesting with her character. Uh, I'm Brie Larson isn't exactly very liked by the superhero watching audience, and mm. it kind of contributes. It's a, it's a strange turn of events. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how how that happened, but it, it somehow happened, and um, it's. I, I like her as Captain Marvel. I just feel she needs, she's having the Thor problem, by which I mean she's been, been put in films that aren't exactly, yeah, aren't exactly giving her things to do or other like exploring her range. Uh, and she's, she plays a pivotal part in Endgame as she should, ends up saving Robert Downey Jr., who then gets his send off. Um, and Speaking of emotional and like the last line you would ever say in like your character would ever say in real time in an Avengers film is I am Iron Man. <laughs> uh, it's just, oh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. But we, we all knew it was Set coming. Up like, all the way back in 2008. Yeah. Like we all knew it was coming. And one of them was going because most of their contracts were expiring. So one of you is going like into the void. The other, one, the other one is retiring. And they all get great send-offs. Like every single one of them. Um, mm. Captain America gives... Um, Captain America gives um, the Falcon his, um, his shield, then goes into the past to grow old with Peggy Carter. Mm. Uh, very, very like that. That's that's the last scene of your film of a of superhero franchise is you d- slow dancing with the love of your life in a little suburban home. Amazing. Yeah. To uh, to it's been a long, long time. I felt it was such a nice, heartfelt ending. I don't think any character gets pushed to the wayside in this. Chris Pratt's Chris Pratt is the reason. I mean, Star Lord is kind of the reason as to why. <laughs> Endgame happens in the first place. Yeah. And which, which you get, but we, we'd be remiss in our duties if we didn't talk about the Black Widow sacrifice sequence. I never, I didn't think Scarjo was going in this, and she does. So, kudos. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, after this has happened, they are retroactively, then they release the Black, Black Widow movie. I'm like, dude, what is the point? And now, and now I think an hour into this episode, a little more than an hour into this episode, we we get into I, I the problems, and I feel this is where the the film should have gone on a break. 
I think around this point after Endgame has happened, we've been on this ride for seven years because we see like this is what we've built up to. And this is the entire MCU has built up to this point. Take a break. Give your audience yeah, a break. Like let everyone be like, whoa, what happened? Let's let's process it. Then Far From Home drops in July, and the, I remember sitting in the in a movie theater going, I don't want to be here, but I'm here because. I'm, like I'm trying, I don't know. I'm just in condition to be here. I'm I'm watching, and it was a very uninspiring. I didn't like it at all. Uh, there's the whole. The only thing about it was that they brought back um, J.K. Simmons uh, as J. Jonah Jameson, to which I was like, mm-hmm. okay, and are we doing multiverse? What's happening? But they just couldn't find anyone better. Yeah, and then the pandemic hits, and for two years. there's no mcu properties i think black widow was supposed to drop in the summer of 2020 and it just did not and <laughs> this is the problem with uh, the mcu has at to this point has two female driven films and they are both extremely uninspiring black widow is just a rehash of old action film plots and zero effort was put into black widow yeah it's just like oh okay people are complaining we should give them a film do better this is a movie i sat through and just i got bored and i like the black widow character i think this is skull johnson brings for uh, this charm and the sexiness to the role i mean she's skull johnson let's let's be honest yeah but There's there's a certain kind of magnetism that's attached to like her personality, and it, this film does its best to dull it as much as possible. I was thoroughly bored by it. Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, which came after this, and this is one of the first few films I wasn't able to catch in a movie theater, but I did catch on streaming. I enjoyed it for the most part because it. Kind of leans into the South Asia, uh, into the whole uh, the, crouching tiger, hidden dragon aesthetic. Yeah, and more than anything else, it made me go watch a lot of the the Wong Kar Wai films because Tony Leung, I didn't oh, realize man. this. Tony Leung is is China's answer to Shah Rukh Khan, right? Like I, I looked at this man and I, I looked at that role and I said. we are 5 years away from a shahrukh khan in the mcu role it's like it's it's coming uh you you just know because there is a vast south asian audience and we'll get to miss marvel in a bit um I that the same has farhan akhtar yeah and and i think fawad as well but yeah. we we'll, but we'll we'll get to that but but chanchi is i don't think the chinese audience liked it as much the actual chinese audience but for the to the american chinese it was um i think it was aimed at the american yeah. chinese and it's a lot of fun like it's it's uh, i like the movie yeah it's it's a, uh, it's a good ride i don't like the cgi battle sequence which it is turned which a lot of the superhero films tend to get towards towards the end i do feel there's a way too much cgi at the end but in a way if you think about it it's also referencing mm-hmm. a film industry that's given you shaolin soccer that's given yeah. you uh so they do tend to have a lot of cgi exaggerated visual imagery mm. so 
maybe it's part of the homage to have you know these larger than life sequences even though they're cgi Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah i enjoyed the movie and i think simulu is a very charming and magnetic uh, protagonist what kim convenience a, if you haven't all that yeah i mm-hmm. i first saw him in kim's convenience and to see jung played sham tears like oh nice good for him i'm happy for him well aquafina is i thought she should have been overbearing in the role but she's quite good herself as well michelle yeah, yeoh is she was pretty good this is not michelle yeoh is like if you have not watched everything everywhere all at once psa please go watch everything everywhere all at once and eternals is the film that drops in after this now uh, i like this movie it's the worst reviewed film of the mcu um i personally think it's one of the the more original stories that to have come out of it yes i i see what it's trying it's like it's the setup film is what i would have i i've been saying and i've been and i feel like i've been saying that for the last 3 mcu entries um but they're trying to now set up a bigger bad or a bigger set of events than thanos and endgame is like okay cool like I'm not ready for oh wow even bigger thing even greater threat across universe I'm like okay cool that apathy starts to build in yeah and I I feel at this point with black widow shangchi and eternals coming in within um 6 months in within like 3 months of each other july is when black widow drops september is when a shangchi drops and november is when eternals drops you're just fed up of the MCU films yeah. at this point and you think in the shows would... also started coming on OTT around this time it's just yeah. everywhere you see you can't escape the MCU exactly like, oh. yeah so i i think um, when disney plus launched uh, we need to talk about the first show that that it uh, that came out through disney plus and i still maintain wonder vision for those who if you have not seen wonder vision is a great show it may not end as nicely as it begins but that pilot of wonder vision and the sheer originality for to take a superior entity and do what they have done with it wonder vision is is an exploration of grief of love and grief and yeah. it's have you seen it yeah wonder vision i saw again i think save for the last two episodes the um, the show is one of the most ambitious things attempted on te- television uh, yeah. ambitious thing attempted in storytelling yeah like the first ep- like, the first episode of wonder vision is is the perfect hook because i remember showing it to my flatmates and they were like what is this this is just because the first episode is a riff on i love lucy right which is yeah. and then it moves on to bewitched it moves on to a small wonder it like it kind of keeps jumping through and they were very um taken aback by what the first episode was like until you reach a pivotal moment in the first episode and they were like okay what like why is this isn't vision dead like what is happening and then that sense of intrigue and mystery keeps you going and they really build on it yeah i'm a big big fan of um of wonder vision and I, and i hope people end up watching it then you have falcon and the winter soldier which also drops around the same a few months after 
now i liked what they were doing with it but then it just became a paint by numbers superhero like very straightforward um superhero uh, story which okay i was like fine like i get it then hawkeye came by which i couldn't be bothered for then Indian watch Falcon yeah. and Winter Soldier. Then Moon Knight, which I was interested. Dude, you for. forgot Loki, which was amazing. Oh yeah, of course. How could I forget? Loki was one of Michael Waldron, who wrote Loki, was uh, came through from the Rick and Morty school of writing, and I I thoroughly enjoyed Loki. I thought it was a very nice Doctor Who esque take on the MCU. Kind of sets up yeah. the big bad, in my opinion, the big bad for. Kang, for yeah, Kang, uh, for for the for this phase, but the problem with setting up the big bad in your TV shows, yeah, is that nobody, not everyone's yeah, going to, not everyone's going to watch. Like, I don't think the impact we'll get to why we why I have why Wonder Vision is, which tells such a pivotal part in the in in the in the development of of the Scarlet Witch character. why some of it gets lost in the multiverse of madness just a quick note on loki though like shout out to natalie holt for uh, the amazing music in the show it's got that theremin almost yeah bleak futuristic sound to it you're just like wow i i love the aesthetic of the show as well i think loki being a narcissist and the only person he's capable of loving is himself and what they do with it is yeah. is, is is great bit fun um and you think by now at least by november of 2021 people are saturated they don't want anything to do with superhero with marvel superhero films and then december rolls by which was multiverse of madness no which was this little known indie film oh, called no Spider-Man, way home, yes. no way home <laughs> and yeah which you and i watched together Yeah, we were in the audience for so this. Like, we this was a post-pandemic world. Uh, this was my second time watching it, and honestly, this felt it felt like the first time I was watching it because the my first viewing of this film was I should have watched this in a more packed theater, but I chose comfort over um, like experience, and it was a very dead theater, and not much was happening. We've spoken about No Way Home on on a previous episode. Yeah, go check out the Spider Verse episode. made a billion dollars first film post the pandemic to make a billion dollars and the most highly speculated film people were talking about trailers andrew garfield was lying through his teeth in all interviews to be mcguire was even doing interviews so it was just it it felt like this this nostalgia bomb and i don't think it's a great movie i still maintain i don't think it's a great movie it's just it's not a great script in the sense of it doesn't hold up to logic or questioning of course but yeah. um amazing fan service that's it yeah. like i mean uh, end game it's a fan service vehicle yeah just very much so and i feel i'm you know that's that that's the extent of of the fan servicing films i want to watch i, I don't think there's anything else where so so this is my this is my problem with the fan service films is that now all people care about his cameos and i'm going to get to why that becomes a problem with the multiverse of madness now you recently watched multiverse of madness and i think you had some issues with it as well i mean by issues very broadly i i don't like sam raimi style i think uh uh-huh. other than the spider man movies like this whole his whole he will evil dead aesthetic or that whole set of movies that he's done drag me to hell he drag me to hell where he has this whole over the top uh, offbeat 
campy over the top it's it's like it's almost fashionable to look cheap mm-hmm. and like i was watching doctor strange and i'm like i'm not enjoying this movie i'm not enjoying the the campiness but i i i like how scarlet which is depicted it it's mm. a nice horror element but the whole spirits and all of that is straight out of evil and i'm like bro <laughs> it's it's like mentally you've not grown at all you're doing the same stuff you used to do 30 years ago and just on a bigger budget now because marvel's mm. thrown 200 million at you and i was like i am bored i'm waiting for this i have i have invested time in it so i want to see this through and then just mm. forget about it entirely so i uh, unlike you i'm on the other end of the spectrum i love sam and <laughs> for his style i love the campiness of it like fucking like, give me that shit out over the top so things my whole thing with horror is that, and horror and comedy is that they both heighten your senses right you are with horror you're terrified and with comedy you're like you're laughing and you you're both you reach it's the easy to meld the two i get why exactly. horror comedy is a genre yeah is exactly and i don't think and what rami does is i don't think he's allowed to do a lot of it as well in this in most of his films you're either you're jump you're screaming or laughing and and, for, and you know in i keep i love how this episode is just us throwing back to previous episodes if you if you go back and listen to the monsters under our bed episode evil dead plays such a played such a big part in my childhood growing up especially mm-hmm. at least the first one and i absolutely hated it but then when i reached my early 20s or my late teens I would give it a rewatch and I absolutely adore that shit. This was also the same time I discovered Drag Me to Hell and Drag Me to Hell was the first film I sat and laughed and like screamed in equal measure. It is Drag Me to Hell is a PG-13 film. Multiverse of Madness is a PG-13 film and the amount of shit he gets away with yeah. throwing in at a PG-13 film is is kind of insane. Multiverse of Madness is suffers once again the setup problem and I enjoy the film because it's a roller coaster ride and but you also enjoyed because you watched Wonder Vision. Yes, this is my this is my point is because I know the stakes for what has happened in Wonder Vision and for those who have not watched Wonder Vision for them to believe that um the scarlet which is going cuckoo the way she is straight after having seen her last in end game. Yeah, it's, imagine it's a, if you've not seen Wonder Vision it's like what yeah. the fuck happened in it, between? it's a jump and it's not and the thing is she's not just like a villain she's a straight up horror movie character yeah i remember watching this reviewer talk about uh, <laughs> and talk about coming out of movie theater and he'd met this family that was that was going in with their kids and the daughter had a thor uh, had a doctor strange uh, toy and wonder and a wonder maximoff toy and then when they came out like the daughter was trying to give the wanda maximoff toy away cuz she didn't like it anymore and cuz she was like it had been apparent that she'd been crying in the movie and this certain this certain imagery in this that straight up I'm like oh dude you are giving to like 7 to 10 year olds nightmares <laughs> oh guys didn't didn't think they'd come to watch a marvel movie and be like scarred for life Yeah like I'm sure it's like us watching Amrish Puri in the 90s right especially in Karan Arjun and shit where he's he's just terrifying and it's not really a horror movie but you just remember that thing gives you yeah. the heebie-jeebies watching the skull which break through the mirror dimension and like contorting her body and getting <laughs> that and the tunnel scene where oh, that, yeah. all the dark yeah she's like a full on zombie 
that and then this is this is the part of the movie i didn't like at all the cameos in this i i'm so past the cameo situation i'm so past the speculation i don't care about cameos anymore i love what they did with the cameos cuz sam raimi said fuck you and your cameos and <laughs> basically told them all to shed you introduce john krasinski as richard only for him to be turned into a pencil sharpening uh, sharpener halfway through and you have Peggy Carter coming back as Captain Carter only to have a shield thrown <laughs> straight through her cutting her in half and that's what i really enjoy love about sam and is that he's able to his storytelling technique allows you to depict gore without actually showing a lot of it like it's mm-hmm. implied that you know the shield has cut through her and she's falling and she's falling down so, i mean the shield does show blood dripping from it yeah. so i think that's the very limit of what you can show in pg30 pg30 yeah i'll make do <laughs> and then the the charles xavier neck break is in there she's like a full on zombie so i was like wow what if you i want to know what is on the cutting room floor i really do want to see what <laughs> marvel can let him do the america chavez character is Uh, again forced into this i think she was supposed to be in no way home and i think that would have been a movie where she felt like a character is a character yeah exactly like i feel it's just like she's been thrown into this doesn't get the plot development that that character development that she needs feels like she's out of place um and it would have made a lot more sense for her to be in in no way home but the problem was i think multiverse of madness was scheduled to be before this Uh, and, uh, and then the director departure probably caused it, a delay. It, yeah, caused a delay, and also the pandemic was kind of. Um, oh yeah, that little thing. Yeah, that little yeah slight um, problem. Uh, there's there's a great musical battle sequence <laughs> where they the symph- there's a symphony battle. So again, <laughs> see again I'm on the other end. This is one of the things I dislike the most. <laughs> ஒரு <laughs> and it's the yeah that line when he says he almost says it to camera yeah you know there's, there's plenty of fourth wall breaks especially where yeah skull which which is a sample metro you have bruce campbell punching again okay. once again a, a possessed hand beating himself like his own hand beating himself repeatedly so there's this this thing about there's several interviews where bruce campbell talks about how sam raimi loves to hurt him on screen like bruce campbell yeah. <laughs> sprained his ankle while running during an evil dead sequence and sam raimi was poking it with a stick <laughs> to agitate him so i mean there's, there's so much of it around and you're either think what i've come to realize is either you love it for the, the film the, the kind of uh, director he is or you absolutely don't like his style there's no in between you there's no like okay yeah. i i am fine with the camp i i fully adore it i'm on for the trip. that movie was made for people like me but i can also <laughs> see why uh, it it is it, it's a jump off point but i think walking out of muddy was a madness it was a film i was looking forward to i just felt like i'd hit a wall so when i saw the trailer for love and thunder and i think this trailer this episode is dropping either a week before or on the the week love and thunder releases and love and thunder's initial reactions are like are pretty 
lukewarm they're not like when when saw ragnarok debuted it received like straight 8 out of 10 9 out of 10 scores in some cases even 10 out of 10 scores everywhere i don't see the same murmurs coming out for love and thunder and i watched the trailer for love and thunder and i just i i feel like i've hit a hit a wall when moon night as also a show i want to get into but just haven't been able to get into there's too much disney content i randomly watched uh moon night while i was like taking my morning shits and <laughs> wow, thanks bathing. thanks that's a detail okay thanks okay huh? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, I was bathing like stuff like that. It was such a unremarkable show, dude. Which is kind of insane, right? It's got Egyptian gods in it, and it's supposed to be like this whole, and it fizzles out, is what I've been told. Miss Marvel, yeah. on the other hand, is very tropey, but has very good writing, and that's the reason I'm invested in that show. It has very good writing, and it is also a great representation of like the Pakistani American. you know indian american asian asian yes, subcontinent yeah i like presentation I, very accurate the mother i feel like it was actually written by south asian writers which is for me i'm like a huge part of having watched that the mindy calling produced never have i ever i have never felt so disconnected with a bunch of people who look like me um and with with miss marvel i feel oh this there are i've seen the mother in in, in so many places mm. I've seen the father in so many people. I've seen the brother in so many people. The brother, as a matter of fact, is a straight ripoff of a very close friend's own brother. And I was like, oh, I know um, people like this who exist, and and the music choices as well. And and you're not just hiring uh, Indian American act- actors anymore. With Farhan Akhtar making the jump from Bollywood to Hollywood, or rather, like into an MCU property, you're actually bringing MCU. actual subcontinent. some kind of like actors on the south continent which is kind of where your audiences sit now if you I'm, i know i'm diverting a little bit but like look at the success of rrr which is this bombastic commercial film that has taken the us by storm but why was it even so successful and even bahubali for that matter is just that the language barrier is like especially with india like the films that are slowly um moving towards more uh, rather like there are being successful right now the language barrier is becoming less and less important and also i think films like anana transcend the language barrier it's yeah. agnostic of because it's all visual storytelling it is but i am also i say that but i'm i say that i'm also extremely worried for brahmastra that's coming out in in 3 months it's not going to be a good movie it looks Oh, it 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 does not look good, uh, and it looks like a retelling of uh, the last Airbender, uh, and it's I am very that, scared that that movie should not have been made the first time, let alone the second. And Ranveer and Ranveer Kapoor, and this is an MCU episode, but Ranveer Kapoor has a movie called Shamshera coming out next month, and there's zero hype about it. Nobody knows what's happening with that film, and it's supposed to be this epic story. And uh, then you have Brahmastra coming out in three months, which is just three to four months, and it. looks it looks really bad but yeah back to the 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 mcu so miss marvel is doing well because um surely because of the writing but i i i don't think a lot of people are watching it because they're just so fed up with so much content 
and yeah. uh, hawkeye's uh, and hawkeye introduced the, the netflix um mcu characters into the show we have, which we haven't even spoken about so netflix for a short span of time had some of the best <laughs> uh marvel tv shows on there yeah, randomly just netflix is doing its thing marvel yeah. mcu yeah. marvel is like lelo rights right when daredevil is so damn good then we've spoken yeah, about yeah. this on the previous episode uh, daredevil punisher jessica jones Jessica Jones, Luke. Uh, Luke, Luke Cage, Cage was not good. I liked the first season of Luke Cage. I don't remember the second season. First season, Marshall Ali as Cottonmouth was phenomenal. What a villain. Uh, and Vincent... I, think I didn't watch Iron Fist. Uh, Iron Fist I watched. And I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I thought it was one of the, the slightly lesser... Um, I mean, it's probably the worst of those shows. And now the shows have all moved to like Disney and, uh, and Hotstar. and uh, a fourth season of daredevil is on its way um i'm just at this point where i think marvel needs to slow down it needs to slow down and if it, if it chooses to introduce new characters it should do so in films because not then give everyone, them a show later you want to develop exactly. something yeah like you don't have to be emotionally invested in um like in, in the tv show right because give them their saturday morning cartoon detour i'm more than happy happy to do uh, like to go along with the ride for that because when i jump back into the film i don't need to be told that oh you've missed out on a critical plot point because this happened mm. on another subscription service that i need, need to be paying money for as if there are already already aren't enough of them around and i feel this this is a problem with disney shows in general even the star wars shows are floundering floundering bad the obi-wan kenobi um series which was touted to be the next best disney show has kind of gone out with a bit of a whimper i feel that entire show was constructed around we're going to get obi-wan kenobi to fight darth vader and we need to build a story around it and again has barring the mandalorian not a lot of these shows are garnering the uh, the acclaim or the other viewership they should be the man have i told you this the mandalorian is the only star wars property i've watched oh really did you like it yeah, it was damn nice but i'm not i'm not watched any of the other star wars movies whatever the tv show mm-hmm. rogue one other than rogue one random yeah i watched mm. and new hope i think you've seen right no oh wow interesting <laughs> <laughs> maybe when it's rogue one and mandalorian yeah. that's it we'll we'll start like a go fund me to like to get rohit to watch we'll do like a live stream if there's enough people who are interested we'll make rohit watch star wars for the first time and like we'll live stream the whole thing as like a one day event yeah we can do that mm. anyway coming back coming back yeah. to mcu yeah so again in terms of the introduction of characters they introduce uh, julia dreyfus has a character in fact and the winter soldier is a pivotal character i think she plays contessa or something i forget and she's starting her own like anti avenger squad once again if you're going to introduce a character put them in the main like in, in the, i think she's in one of the cinematic universes uh, in films but I, i don't quite remember which one but i feel the i feel like I've, i'm going to reiterate this point they need to go on a break they need to slow down the release schedule because one phase 4 looks like nobody knows who the big bad is 
and now what they're doing is they're introducing the lesser lesser known characters in the show in in the in in the lesser lesser book. known yeah there's they introduced a character called Clea in Multiverse of Madness i don't know who Clea is but i know who Charlie Theron is and she pops up and like why is Charlie Theron in this okay i guess and and that's kind of where i checked out when when the actor is bigger than the character you're introducing especially in the post credit sequence i kind of loses the novelty in the eternals they introduced harry styles and i remember being in the theater and there was a collective groan fuck yeah. that worry about no. yeah, and we haven't even there's adam warlock sitting in some chamber that they introduced in guardians of the galaxy 2 nobody knows who he is what's happening with his character and he plays another pivotal character as well guardians 3 is on its way there is just slow down to the two entries per year i don't think anybody will complain two entries per year plus one tv show i know disney is just basically going to milk this till they absolutely run dry but this this is too much this is personally for me a bit too much yeah i think disney is using mcu as a proverbial goose can't keep mm-hmm. playing eggs forever exactly you need to chill the chill chill out and just like let people process digest what's been told so far and then we'll come back in a few years i think we're both very tired from discussing <laughs> the mcu yeah it's such a big universe so many movies yeah, my yeah. god we've, i think in under 2 hours we've wrapped we've gone through nearly all 20 plus films plus the tv shows plus discuss what our issues are so i feel we've given a, a holistic approach on the good the bad um and, and the, the concerning concern. yeah look we're both thinking the same thing this is our co-hosts so <laughs> we'll bring an end to the episode now as as good as a, a time as it is yeah <laughs> so I, i'm looking at roy through the screen he's just tired he wants to go sleep <laughs> but anyway i'm blabbering i'm going to wrap this episode up we'll see you on the next one let us know what you think of the mcu i'll leave a little spot to like drop your your thoughts and comments um let us know what you think let us know if you're fine with the current release schedule let us know if you're also getting sick of it and you take care and go have some fun see you soon bye bye so they opened their big mouths and now came talk talk talk